this morning, recognizing that we are feeble and frail, <clears throat> and that we depend upon you in all things. Uh, you are uh, not only our maker, but our defender, our redeemer, our friend. And God, as we launch into this study of your Holy Spirit, who proceeds from you, whom you have sent, uh, who works in our lives. Uh, we ask, God, that we would uh, depend upon you, that you would show us great and wonderful things in your word, that we would be encouraged, that we would be informed, that we would uh, rejoice in the great truth of the triune God that you are and the truths of your spirit that we find. And we pray all in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I heard some harmony out there, so that's wonderful. We're going we're gonna to keep singing uh, each week, and, and uh, it's a blessing to, to sing together, to rejoice together. Thank you for that. Well, welcome to uh, some time, some focus time on the Holy Spirit. Uh, this, is a, this is a wonderful and fearful thing to do. Uh, this will be somewhere uh, between an introduction and a full-blown uh, seminary course on, uh, on the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if we can find a, a sweet spot in the middle there that maybe over six weeks or so uh, we will uh, cover uh, this topic of the Holy Spirit. Um, I wanted to start with just the question, why would we do this? No, why, why, why would we study the Holy Spirit? And uh, there are a number of reasons, but I would want to start with uh, that, that He is God. And, and knowing God is a good thing, right? Uh, that will inform, we hope, how we worship. That will inform how we pray that will inform how we minister, how we evangelize. Uh, and so uh, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is a divine person of the triune God uh, seems a good motivation to study him. Um, second, he's active. The Bible, Bible couldn't be more clear uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, has been active from, from the very first Genesis 1-2 that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, all right, all the way to Genesis 22, or I'm sorry, Revelation 22:17, where the Spirit says, come, and, and everywhere in between. Uh, the Spirit active uh, through the apostles and prophets, the Spirit active uh, in the church, the Spirit active in the life of each and every believer. Um, so this is a good reason to, to study these things. The uh, third thing, I pause and I chuckle to myself because I actually went at, at about 4.30 this morning and changed this point because I thought leaving it in print would be unfair. Because uh, the third point did say we can be ignorant and imprecise about the Holy Spirit. And it's true, but I thought that it'd be unfair to start in the first four minutes to call ourselves ignorant. <laughs> but, but really, the, the, 
Studying the Holy Spirit will benefit our soul, benefits our spirit. Um, the Bible is chock full of information about God the Father, and particularly in the New Testament, about Jesus Christ, right? And we can sort of feel like we just have a, a dearth of information about the Holy Spirit, that, that we can just, well, in the best sense of the word, be ignorant of the Holy Spirit, uh, not because we're trying to be, but just, you know, we, we just don't know, we just don't know much. Um, and so part of this, again, because the Holy Spirit is God, teaching this is part of the whole counsel of God and good for our souls. Um, here's, a, here's a couple quotes that, that maybe you'll uh, identify with. One from Sinclair Ferguson. He says, this was back in the mid-90s, right? So this was, this was after big push of a, a charismatic or Pentecostal movement, revival of, of thinking about the Holy Spirit. Ferguson writes, the assertion that the Holy Spirit, quote, once forgotten is now forgotten no longer, needs rephrasing. For while his work has been recognized, the Spirit himself remains to many Christians an anonymous, faceless aspect of the divine being. Even the title Holy Spirit evokes a different gamut of emotions from those expressed in response to the titles Father and Son. Perhaps the facts of the situation would have been better stated by describing him as the unknown rather than the forgotten person of the Trinity. And uh, I don't know if that resonates with just how you, uh, you know, think about the Holy Spirit. Michael Horton uh, also wrote uh, this in, more, in a much more recent book. I want to challenge this association of the Spirit merely with the extraordinary. Emphasis on the word merely there. This is unfortunate all around because it distinguishes his work too sharply from that of the Father and the Son, and also because it distracts us from the vast range of his activity in our world and in our lives. On both sides of the Pentecostal divide, we too easily treat the Holy Spirit as a placeholder for the extra things of Christianity. Debates over signs and wonders have narrowed the Spirit's repertoire. The role of the Holy Spirit in our faith and practice shrinks to the extent that he is associated exclusively with that which is spectacular, unmediated, spontaneous, and informal. When this happens, we easily settle for a false choice between formalism and enthusiasm. And I, I think that that's maybe part of our, again, in the best sense of the word ignorance, is that, you know... I'm not sure where I want to land exactly on, on this, and these things frighten me just a, a little bit of the spectacular and, and the extraordinary, so maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just step aside and, and stay safe and safe ground here. So we're not going to spend six weeks talking about the sign gifts, <laughs> but, but somewhere along the way as we talk about the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and in the believer, that will come up, but there is so much more. There's such rich... Um, information about the work of the Holy Spirit each and every day uh, in each and every day of the lives of believers that, uh, that we don't want to miss out on this. So, 
at a really high level, what we're going to accomplish, Lord willing, is some time talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and then talking about the works of the Holy Spirit. So today, primarily about his person and then in weeks to come, different aspects of his works, uh, his works in Christ, uh, which might surprise you. Come back. I'm really excited. I'm excited about the whole thing. Really excited about next week, particularly. His work through the prophets and apostles, uh, his, his work in regeneration, right? And what we sort of think of as point-in-time salvation. His, his work in the life of a believer throughout the life of a believer, right? As we generally put sanctification over that, uh, that call that umbrella that. And then his work in the church. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Come back. Can't be here. Listen in. That's just great. Uh, so, <clears throat> the goal here um, is that we would be not only instructed, but encouraged and strengthened. Uh, if, if, if we only learn a bunch of data, then uh, oh, I think that I've probably failed. So, we, we want to be encouraged by the information that we have. Yeah. So, with that, off we go into uh, his personhood, the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and we just start with his name, right? The, the, the word spirit uh, in the Old Testament is ruach. It's a great word to say, especially if you need to clear your throat. So ruach. And, and in the New Testament, depending upon how snobbish you want to be about your Greek, it could be pneuma or pneuma or pneuma. Uh, but, but both of those words uh, relate to the movement of air and uh, their onomatopoeic, which is in and of itself a word that's an interesting thing, right? But, but they are words that sound like the thing that they describe. We do this, right? Oink. Who made that word up? Well, they listen to a pig. Ah, sounds like oink. We'll call it an oink. Uh, my Batman comic books from my childhood have pow and blam and thing, you know, th those, are, those are onomatopoeic words, right? They, they sound like what they're describing. And so in the same way, ruach from the Old Testament of a rushing wind uh, or pneuma, the, the air movement is, is, is what, it's the word that, that's used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to describe the Holy Spirit. And that, that word is, is, uh, can, can stand for uh, literally breath, it can be a, you know, literally the name, a, a proper noun for spirit, uh, or could just be wind. And uh, we see that uh, pneuma you'll, you'll connect with, right? We think of things that are pneumatic, right? They're air-powered. We think of pneumonia, which is an inflammation of the things that we breathe with, our lungs, right? So, so that'll be an easy one for you to remember. But uh, just, just a sampling quickly through the, the word of, uh, of, of where this is, um, I think will, will help us see these concepts. So I'm going to go quickly. Actually, I've, I have these in my notes, so I'm not even going to turn through them myself. But Genesis 1-2, I already mentioned, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. 
Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. A couple from Job, Job 27, verses 3 and 4. This is Job speaking, and he, he says, As long as my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood, and my tongue will not utter deceit. So you see here that these things become fluid and interchangeable when, when Job says, as long as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. Elihu, uh, speaking in Job 33, says, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. John 3, which, is, which might be, okay, I, right, okay, I got this one. I remember this one, Nicodemus, right? And Jesus says to him, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is of everyone who is born of the Spirit. So there is an interchange here. And just a, a couple more. John 20, verses 21 and 22. Jesus, speaking to his apostles, said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Um, finally, Acts 2 uh, at Pentecost. Right? This is another one of those that like, okay, that, that's, I get this one with the Holy Spirit. That's a, one of the first things I think of. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind filled the entire house that, uh, where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire uh, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we see the, the manifestation of the work or presence of the Holy Spirit uh, is around creation, uh, giving life, um, new creation and new life uh, and, and all in this sense of breath or wind, right, this force. Um, and so that's, that's just about those words. As you hear those, uh, keep that in mind. A couple others that we'll, well, we'll come to them here in a bit if time allows us. But let's, uh, let's move next to just personhood in general of the Holy Spirit, right? Because what can happen is after we hear all these things, uh, all of a sudden that the heretic in me right, can think, well, that's, that's all the Holy Spirit is. He's just a force, right? just like a big wind, just, just, just a thing. And, and there are numerous um, uh, cults and, and uh, heresies out there even today that just deny the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Jehovah's Witnesses would be the, the you know, top of the list there. Uh, but even informally, we can find ourselves thinking more like, you know, just, just sort of like a big power fan pushing something out rather than a person, right? The person of the Holy Spirit. So, so just 
Walk with me through, through some of these just very general things, and then we'll work our way to actually uh, divine personhood and more specifics. So just general characteristics from the scriptures that make it clear to us that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, he has knowledge. We're not going to read all these. You don't have them in your notes, so if you're, if you're ready to write, I'll, I'll give you the references. First uh, Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. The Holy Spirit has knowledge. He has a will, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He has a mind, Romans 8, 27. He loves, Romans 15, 30. He is true, and we're going we're gonna to look at these. Uh, John 15, 26 and 16, 13. So we'll go ahead and look at these guys. John 15, 26. This, by the way, you, you may already know. I mean, just the, the, if you want to find the, the minefield, the rich pickings of, of Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit, uh, John 14, 15, 16, good place to go. Um, so John 15, 26, Jesus is speaking to his apostles, to his disciples, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, right? So Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit being a witness implied in that, that he's a true witness. Jesus is not sending a false witness uh, to, his, to his disciples. Chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus continues, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Right? And so again, Spirit of truth. Uh, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Truth. This is a this is a timely thing, you know, given given what uh, Pastor Dan is preaching on uh, about the centrality of the Scripture and, and its true nature, not only in its creation, how it came to be, but right here we have the the means by which the apostles and we can trust that what they wrote is true because. The promise is given right there uh, before our eyes that the Spirit would testify and remind and teach those men exactly what it was uh, to be written down. Okay. And finally, personal pronouns um, all over this John 14 to 16, right? Uh, Jesus is not saying, when I send it, when it comes. No, 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 it's he, when, when he comes. Right. I know that you're all convinced already, I get that, uh, but it's good. This is good for us to remember uh, some specifics. Okay, next big category are actions. The Holy Spirit speaks, Acts 13, verse 2, and, and many times in Revelation, right? The Spirit says to the churches, the Spirit says to the churches, right? There, there it is, um, yeah. Uh, the Holy Spirit intercedes, uh, Romans 8, verse 26. The Holy Spirit teaches, 
First uh, John two twenty to twenty seven and John fourteen twenty six. The Holy Spirit cares, and by that means cares for us, not just that He gives a hoot. That He that He He cares for us, provides care. Uh, John fourteen sixteen and John fifteen twenty six. Um, the Holy Spirit guides and forbids. We see that in Acts. Um, well, we see that promise in John sixteen thirteen already that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. But Acts 16, 6 and 7, we see the Holy Spirit stopping Paul from his intended plans. Right? So, so uh, guiding in that way. He convicts. That's John 16, verses 8 through 11. And then we'll take a closer look at this next one. The, the Holy Spirit assures. So head to Romans 8, 16 with me. Romans 8, 16 reads, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a wonderful blessing that is from the Spirit, that, that he actually um, testifies or bears witness to our very spirit about our adoption as children of God. If you weren't here last week to hear Joe uh, talking about this aspect of redemption applied, you, you want to listen to that. Uh, in fact, there's admittedly going to be a fair about amount of overlap with some of the things that Joe has gone through in that series of redemp particularly redemption applied, and uh, some with Keith's um, great work last winter on the Trinity. Um, and finally, I'll mention Jason on June 2nd taught through this passage uh, as it relates to assurance and the mortification of sin, even in the face of suffering. And uh, so, uh, there, all to say, there are great other resources uh, online and available for you that I encourage you to, uh, to make yourself, uh, you know, avail yourself of those things. Okay, finally, the, the Holy Spirit strives. You know, this comes from Genesis 6. Verse 3. Okay, next big category of, of general personhood is, is how the Spirit may be treated. Right, so the, the Holy Spirit can be grieved, Ephesians 4.30. He can be insulted or outraged, as the ESV puts it, uh, in Hebrews 10.29, uh, which is one of the more frightening passages in the New Testament. I'll just, you may want to just circle that one and Go spend a little time with that as well. Um, he can be lied to, Acts 5, verse 3. He can be blasphemed and sinned against, Matthew 12, 31 and 32. And then the, the final big category here is identification. So the, the Holy Spirit is named together uh, with the Father and the Son in uh, what you would call the baptismal formula of the Great Commission, right? that, that, that uh, the church is sent to go teach and to baptize in the name singular, interesting, not the names, but the name singular of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, 
There is a benediction. Oh, sorry, that was Matthew 28, verse 19. Uh, there is a benediction in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, uh, where uh, each person of the Trinity is listed as well. And then finally, in Acts 15, verse 28, the Holy Spirit is, is identified as a person together with the other believers as the, they're grappling with these issues for the Gentiles. And, and uh, essentially, Acts 15, 28 says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to da-da-da-da-da, right? So, so again, we're just talking, talking about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Okay, next big uh, category we've got here is uh, a little, we're just going to go down just one more layer in precision here, and that the Holy Spirit uh, is the Spirit of God, and He is proceeding, and He's sent. And, uh, wow, well, what We'll just take one of those things one at a time. So just uh, let me read these four passages. I'll, I'll just read, give you the references first. Isaiah 11.2, Romans 8.9, John 15.26, and Galatians 4.6. And uh, we won't read them entirely, but I just want you to, to hear how reference to the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 11.2, he is spoken of as the Spirit of the Lord. That is, uh, the, a prophecy that, that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon this one who was going to be a branch from the stump of Jesse. Right? So, immediately, speaking perhaps of David, right? Uh, but, but really, in its fullness, speaking of Christ. But the point is, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the Spirit of the Lord. Romans 8 and 9, uh, spoken of as the Spirit of God, as, it, as uh, the passage speaks about the Holy Spirit indwelling every believer. So, Spirit of God. And we read this uh, already, the John 15, 26, the Spirit who proceeds from the Father, that is, who goes out from the Father to the believer. And Galatians 4, 6 the Holy Spirit there is, is spoken of as the Spirit of His Son, that is, God's Son. And uh, that is another adoption passage, right, where in our hearts we cry, Abba, Father. All to say, right, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of God, Spirit of His Son, Spirit who proceeds from the Father, is to, to build in your mind, in our minds, the vital connection Again, I know we already believe it, but we need to remind ourselves of the vital connection of the Holy Spirit to God the Father, to God the Son. And uh, now we're going to take a, a quick journey. You see these references in John and one in Luke that are, that are uh, our next stop. As we talk about, okay, so, so proceeding and sent, what, what exactly does that mean and who's doing what here? So... Uh, Head to John 14, verse 16, and we're just going to walk through these guys briefly. John 14, 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Okay? So hold, hold that in, in tension. John 14, 26 
But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, so we have the, in 1416, Jesus asking the Father, the Father giving. 1426, the Father will send in Jesus' name. 1526, we've, we've already read, um, but we'll catch the, um, the, the pertinent parts here at this point. Uh, the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. So here, here we have Jesus saying, I, I will send the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father. John 16, 7. Uh, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Yeah. And then finally, uh, back to Luke 24. You can spin back there with me. Luke 24. Verse 49, this is after the resurrection, right before the ascension, Uh, Jesus with his disciples says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Um, So, uh, if you are just a pedantic, black and white, and you've got to know, who did this, Right? Who, who sent the Spirit, right? Yes, is the answer, right? <laughs> okay, yes. Did, did God the Father send the Holy Spirit? Yes. Did, did, did God the Son send the Holy Spirit? Yes. Uh, in fact, um, even though it's not explicitly stated here in, in John fifteen twenty six, 26, um, the church has generally recognized and believes, that it depends on whether you're Eastern or Western, and Matt can fill us in on all those another day, uh, whether, whether the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son or the Father uh, only. But let me give you this from uh, the, the Nicene Creed. And it's, it's really a later version of the Nicene Creed that came after the Council of Constantinople. I wouldn't have to say those things, but Matt is here and he'll correct me if I don't. So, so, so this is the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. That's the whole chunk of that creed. The only reason I know it is because of the church that I grew up in. Um, it was spake, though, and he was the Holy Ghost then in the 70s. But, uh, uh, yeah, so, so the church has generally come to this agreement that the, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And all to the, why does this matter? Right? So it first is this vital connection uh, between the Father and the Son, the Father, sorry, the Father and the Spirit, the Son and the Spirit. But it also is almost a parallel, right? We speak of the Son as being the only begotten Son of the Father, and really eternally so. There were, the, the Son is, is, as he relates to the Father, the only begotten Son, and at some point in time he actually became born literally a son of Mary. 
The Holy Spirit, in a similar way, eternally is an eternally proceeding Spirit from the Father and the Son, and at specific times was sent, right? sent to the apostles, sent to the prophets, sent to individual people in the Old and New Testament, sent to the individual heart of a believer at specific time of regeneration. So, um, all to say uh, that when this happens, God is moving as his spirit toward his people. Yeah. Okay. Next big chunk we move on to is uh, the spirit of God as divine. Um, again, we, we believe these things, and it's good to remind ourselves of uh, where we find that in the scriptures. So there are, what do I have, one, two, three, too many, we'll get there, uh, categories of, of uh, why uh, we believe that the Spirit of God is divine. And by the way, the, the framework for this part of this, uh, in my resources section, there's a, there's a book from George Smeaton. That he, he sort of provides the framework for this part of it. Um, you know, yeah, I'll just take a pause and let you know um, the book from Ferguson, the book from Michael Horton, the book from George Smeaton, and chapter six of Knowing God from J.I. Packer, um, probably almost in reverse order, would, would be, I mean, J.I. Packer is very accessible. If you've got a copy of Knowing God, go read chapter six uh, this afternoon. Easy read and, and chock full of great information. Ferguson, Horton, very good uh, book. Smeaton, a little bit more Puritanish, <laughs> but, but very good. Yeah, very good resources. So anyway, the, the categories here, the incommunicable acts of creation and providence that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm just going to list and read some snippets here for you. From Job 26, verses 12 and 13. By his power, that is God's power, he stilled the sea. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair, and, by, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Um, Psalm 33, 6, we've already read. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Isaiah 40 uh, is is, uh, let's, take our, let's take a moment there. Isaiah, verse 40, chapter 40, verses 12 and 13. Isaiah 40, verses 12 and 13. <clears throat> Some rhetorical questions are posed uh, to us. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Um, so the, you know, right, the, the, the answer is no one. Right? No one does these things except God. And uh, uh, that verb in verse 13, who has measured the Spirit of the Lord can also mean directed, right? So here in this context, we've got, excuse me, we have a connection 
between the, the power of God in creation and the presence of the Spirit um, as, as these acts of creation and uh, these things that only God can do are listed out. And then the question, rhetorical question in verse 13, and it could be, who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Okay. Uh, finally, Romans 8, 11, and that uh, reads, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. All right, so here again, these are, these are things ascribed only to God, right? Life-giving power. The second big category is divine attributes that are ascribed to to the Holy Spirit. Uh, eternality is listed in Hebrews 9.14. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the eternal spirit. Uh, omniscience in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 6 through 11, which by the way is, is sort of a second great section on the spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, uh, just the, the dichotomy between those grappling to understand without the Spirit and, and the difference between that and the mind that's illuminated by the Spirit. We'll get to that. It's going to be a few weeks. But, but, but there, in verse 10, uh, verse 9, uh, it reads, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things... God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches, that is, investigates or examines the details of everything. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Okay, that's a, that's a divine attribute, to search the depths of everything. Uh, omnipresence, uh, Psalm 130, 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Right? Uh, speaking of the spirit of God. Next big category uh, here are the divine honors and worship that are paid to the spirit. Uh, first, Romans 8.26. We mentioned it before that the spirit helps us in our weakness. Uh, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. The spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too weak too deep for words. So there's this intimate connection between the Holy Spirit and our life of prayer. Second, we already mentioned from Matthew 28, 19, the, the direct connection between the Holy Spirit and believer baptism. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, an invocation of grace from Revelation 1.4. Let me read that. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on the earth. So there's this trinitarian formula of grace uh, that is extended in this greeting um, 
Next is a, a, a warning of sinning against the Spirit from Mark 3. Um, it's a parallel from uh, Matthew 12 that we looked at earlier. Where in Mark 3, verses 28 to 30, um, Jesus writes, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Uh, we may come back around to what that actually means you know, another, another day, but, but the point is, it, when, when there is a sin against the Holy Spirit that is deemed unforgivable, that's, that's a high mark in terms of the divinity of, of a high divine honor uh, placed for the Holy Spirit. All right. Um, before we leave this, this chunk, um, so how do we worship the Holy Spirit? Right? Um, because, um, like in, in, in John 17, Jesus asks that the glory that, that he had when he was with the Father, would, he would be glorified with that. The Holy Spirit's absent from, from that list. Like, well, nobody ever says, give the Holy Spirit the, the glory that he deserves. We, we, don't, we don't find that uh, in the Word. But work, work with me through this back to John 16, 13, and 14. This will be, uh, I think, worth our while. may not answer every question you have. John 16 Verses 13 and 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, which, by the way, is the same thing that Jesus said about himself in John 7, that, that he didn't come speaking of his own authority, but he was speaking in the authority of the one who sent him. All right? And, and editorial comment back to the text. Um, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Um, which, by the way, is the very same thing that Jesus said about himself in John 15, 15. We'll pause and go back and see that. Um, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. Okay, Jesus is describing his own ministry. All right, back to 16, 13. Um, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14 of, of John 16. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All right, so now, how, how do we formulate worship of the Holy Spirit whose purpose, it seems, is to glorify someone else. Well, I think that that's, that's the very center of it, is that we thank God for the Holy Spirit and having sent him to do this work, to do it in grand and glorious ways in the church, to do it in very specific ways in our own heart, um, that, that we thank and worship uh, the triune God for his perfect plan that, that 
he who is on the throne, who was and is and, and shall, ever shall be, um, sent his only begotten son and sent the one who proceeds to be in our hearts and to magnify and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not just straight out, right, uh, worship in a, the sense of the Holy Spirit being glorified because it's not really his purpose that he was sent for or how he proceeds. At the same time, we worship the triune God for having done this thing. All right. We have two other bits here to walk through before you get your assignment for the week. Maybe you've already read it. But uh, a coordinate rank that the Holy Spirit is given with the Father and the Son. Um, so his, his presence uh, at Jesus' baptism, right? Jesus is there coming up out of the water. We hear the voice of the Father from heaven and the Holy Spirit descending in the form as a dove or of a dove. Um, Acts 2, uh, verses 29 to 33, uh, is, an, is a, an interesting example of this coordinate rank of the Spirit with the Father and the Son. This is Peter's sermon right after Pentecost. I'm just going to read from Acts 2, starting in verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And so there's, there's a, it's an amazing description of the persons of the, Holy, of, of, of the Trinity working together in this particular event that God raised up Jesus exalted him, and Jesus having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, come back next week for that. What is, wait, hold it, what? Jesus received the Holy Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> um, he, Jesus, has now poured out this that you are seeing, that is the manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and in individual lives. Yeah, so it's, it's just, it's a, it's a great text, uh, a triune text. Okay, finally, uh, name, the name of God being ascribed uh, to the Holy Spirit. Go to Acts 5 with me, if you would. Acts chapter 5. These are our... Uh, our friends Ananias and Sapphira. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll give you give you the uh, the backstory. Well, we'll just read this verse, verse starting in verse one. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, 
he kept back for, for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay, mark that. Right? Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. Okay? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? We'll stop right there, just, just, just to make really clear. <laughs> Doesn't mean that if you sell a used car, you don't bring all of it and put it, put it in the plate, God's going to strike you down. But, but Ananias and Sapphira were lying here. It wasn't that, that they chose, it wasn't the action of holding back some, it was that they were lying about what they were doing. Okay. Um, back to our text. You have not lied to man, but to God. Right, so here, um, verse 3, Ananias is told he's lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, he's told that he has lied to God. And uh, three hours later, verse 9, uh, well, They've carried Ananias, Ananias dies. He's, he's struck dead at that moment. And uh, carried out uh, three hours later, uh, Sapphira comes in. I don't know if she's looking for Ananias. We don't, we don't know, but she comes in. And uh, verse 9, verse 8, Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such or for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much. Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? So we have this, this uh, connection. The Holy Spirit being lied to, God being lied to, the spirit of the Lord being tested, right? All one and the same. All right. Um, final, final chunk here is from Psalm 95, uh, verses 7 to 9. So just take a note. Compare Psalm 95 verses 7 through 9, with Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 9. This is the kindness of whoever put the verses together. It's the same, same verse numbers at least. So Psalm 95, verses 7 to 9, uh, we read, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. And Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 9, reads, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So the author of Hebrews is, is under, right, as the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as this is being breathed out by God into what we can now call the letter to the Hebrews is, is quite fine putting in the Holy Spirit saying this uh, as, as Psalm 95 is quoted and referred to. Okay. Well, that's where we get to today, um, a lot of stuff, um, and uh, we, will, we will begin next week uh, on the works of the Holy Spirit, but, but for your week, I've, I've given you some, oh, you want to call it homework or suggestions or just things to think about, 
Uh, as you're reading in the Word this week, just sort of have your antenna up for Holy Spirit references. See what, what uh, you find. Um, and some, some prayer suggestions for you, right? Thank God for having breathed out the Scriptures by the Spirit and by so doing having granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Thank God for preserving His Spirit-breathed-out Word such that we have the Apostles' testimony today that we may believe in Jesus. And thank God for sealing you with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, having said all those things, those last three, those are for believers. If, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't thank Him. Like those things are still true. The Scriptures still are breathed out. But, but the pro those promises aren't yours. They just, they just aren't. And uh, if you know that to be the case and you want to talk with someone, I beg you, I plead you with you, talk with one of the pastors or one of the elders, talk with someone you know here who's a believer. Um, these, these things are matters of eternal nature. Yeah, let's pray. Father, again, thank you for your spirit. We praise you, God, for how you have worked um, by your spirit to bring glory to yourself and to your son and how you work even in the lives of each and every believer. Thank you, God, for uh, just the information we have seen and the encouragement uh, in the Holy Spirit in your word this day. And we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.